Hey Tubular Teens, uh, Dwayne here. I just noticed that I never released our Season 1 wrap, a discussion between myself and Velvet, uh, just looking back on Season 1, what we thought of it, our feelings, and looking forward to Season 2. This was supposed to come out before the Season 2 premiere, so that is totally my bad. So we're just going to go ahead and release this episode right now. Welcome all you tubular teens out there. Thank you so much for hopefully checking out season one of our beautiful little show. Um, showrunner Dwayne Feenster here. I'm joined by my wonderful partner, Velvet Divine. Velvet, how are you? I'm golden. How are you, Dwayne? Uh, like, hey, phone. <laughs> See, that's why I'm glad I didn't talk. Uh, I was going to say, well, I feel like a 500-pound gorilla is now off my back because we've gotten <laughs> we've gotten through the season and it's done and it's just been just a crazy, crazy fun adventure that started off just on a whim. Like we had no plans to write a 11 episode. 900 minutes of audio audio drama (laughs) (laughs) it it was the whim of a whim yeah it's like that's that but that is like our style it's like on a whim yeah let's make a thousand minutes of content for just on a whim why not (laughs) no rules uh (laughs) if you don't mind i i will i will in case this is somebody starting episode rehash how exactly uh t cube came to be please do uh, for those of you that might not be aware of other projects like Flight Risk, uh, Duane and I come largely from the world of actual play podcasts. And for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, you take TTRPGs like Dungeons and Dragons and you record the session, uh, you know, as a narrative audio drama sort of deal. Uh, a very popular system that people kind of, you know, tear apart and build up for their specific needs is called Blades in the Dark. And I I don't even remember why we started on this, but at at some point we decided to embark on making a Super Sentai hack of Blades in the Dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically once we finished (laughs) the system, we were like, oh, that we we need people to test it. And then we were like, well, if they're going to test it, we might as well record it and you know, put it out there. And then I think you were like, what if we scripted it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kind of like, 
just from the process of making the game, like we were just discussing like, oh, this would be a cool story to do in the game. This would be a cool monster to fight. <laughs> this, we started having all these little ideas. We're like, this is like, these are all good ideas. And I remember the back of my head, just from my fly risk exper- experience, and I say this with all the love of my heart, that whatever I want to have happen on flight risk almost never happens because <laughs> the players just go left and right and go wherever. And it's fun and I love it. But it's like if I wanted to have the story in my head actually appear in front of me, we would have to go from actual play to audio drama and just write it out that way. And I think we just started like thinking back of how we started doing the game. I don't know how it came up that we both liked Power Rangers and we just started talking about it. And we're like, it'd be fun to play that, but we couldn't find a good system. We're like, screw it. Let's do our own. And <laughs> exactly, you know, like what a year and a half or two years later, here we are with 11 oh, episodes wow. of an amazing freaking show. So yeah, that was, that was nuts. And it just, for me, one of the challenges was like, again, this is one of those things that sounds bad when it, when I say it, but working with you was a challenge because I've never written with someone before, <laughs> like not like a bad challenge. Like, Oh my God, this was so hard all year. It was actually beneficial to me. But like when we started, I'm like, I've, I've written story, short stories before I've, I've written comic books and things, but that was just me writing. And I was in charge of hundred percent of everything. And to, you know, give up that a hundred percent autonomy and say this other person and I are going to work in concert to make something was scary. Like I've, I've known Velvet for years through fly risk. I knew we get along. I knew we had similar personalities and our ideas were kind of the same, but you know, working in the trenches is a different experience. So I was a little, honestly, a little worried at the beginning going, God, I hope I don't ruin our friendship because I'm going to be a controlling oh, no. jerk or something and say, like, no, it has to be this way. Or like, I imagine like three episodes in us arguing about like a name of a monster. And that's the end of all our friendship, because I wanted to call it one thing and you wanted another. And that would be it. I was like, worst case scenario in my head. Oh, no, it, it, it has been nowhere near that. Uh, we have just we've and we've matched so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was really frightening. I, and I think I had similar concerns because I, I also have never worked with anyone. Like, as as you said, like in the trenches, mm-hmm. it's been like fairly compartmentalized. Uh, so it was also a really interesting just kind of learning and growing experience for me. Yeah. And and it's great to me because. I realize that I am the overthinker of our of our dynamic duo. Our I want to say dynamic duo because one of us has to be Robin in that situation. In our world's finest, when we're a Superman and a Batman, <laughs> and we all know Public you're enemies. the you know you're the Batman. I'm the Superman. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm actually wearing a blue shirt right now, so I'm Superman. So that I overthink the crap out of stuff, and. I don't think I would have gotten past like three episodes because I would have been just stuck in the quagmire of thinking and velvet. So many times it will either be just do both of those ideas at the same time (laughs) (laughs) or it's like, it's a, it's a power ranger show. We don't have to explain the physics. Just go with this, go forward with it. (laughs) Like don't overthink it. It's power rangers for Christ's sakes. I, I think that is word for word a, a line that's probably several 
times, like, like in, in our collective chat, just like, it's Super Sentai, just do it. <laughs> I would That'd be a fun thing to do, to go back through our Discord chat and see how many times I use the line, am I overthinking this? Because it's at least, one, at least once or twice a week. <laughs> Those lost notes from the, the early days <laughs> of Two of Your Teens are wild. Every now and then we have to go back to see if we established something or like already had something existing before we you know reinvent the wheel and we're like what the hell <laughs> there's been a few times where i've gone back and go wow that is exactly not what we talked about when we planned this out six months ago <laughs> it probably didn't help that the bulk of our brainstorming was between the hours of like two and five a.m <laughs> exactly right before i went to bed when you were still up yeah like random idea what do you think of this and then like i have to go back like wow we thought it like how are we gonna do this and i go like, oh we already figured this out four months ago what am i worried about <laughs> but yeah this whole thing has just been just you and i just bouncing off each other and like the whole philosophy, there's not a bad idea is really what we do on this show. It's like, can we do this? Sure. It's our show. There's literally no one to tell us no. <laughs> so it, it is improv the script. It very much is. I mean, when I do the, like the writing, I'm literally like walking around my house with my voice, uh, Google docs on voice writing. And I'm just saying the lines that I'm literally acting out the different sides of the conversation. So, <laughs> and it is, it is a lot of improv. It is a lot of ideas that come to me when I'm driving on the way home or when I'm doing the dishes. Cause they're like tons of times where I'm like, okay, my hands are still wet from so doing the dishes, but velvet, I have to tell you this. <laughs> so it, it just, it just came to me. I figured it out. So, so let's dive the beginning of our of the show the the core of the super sentai power ranger thing is the theme of a power ranger everyone there's always a theme dinosaurs space they always do these things and i've been trying to think of how did we settle on this elemental mythological angle that we have because all the 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 ranger or the rangers the guardians are elements and they're they're there's zords or titans are mythological creatures. Do you remember how we got to that idea? I think the elemental portion was a carryover from the uh, the original Super Sentai Blades hack mechanics. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So, so I think that was just always caked into the basics. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think it was from those elements that we had the idea for these mythological creatures. Mm. Yeah, because I remember we were... I, I, we were bouncing some things around and I remember that we like you like probably saved my bacon and like you're like that's really close to cultural appropriation like you're like getting into really like cultural <laughs> or ethnic things that you know we'd have to be super super careful for and would just cause us headaches down the road so that's why you know we go with the generic phoenix we went with a dragon instead of trying to get overly specific because I was like literally looking up like mythological creatures using the actual names and things. And yeah, I, I was again, me overthinking it. And you're like, no, just, just say turtle, <laughs> just say dragon. That's all it's gotta be. We'll, we'll be there. We'll, we'll say they're mythological turtles. They're mythological dragons without getting into the specifics because in that vagueness is where the fun lies. I need that on a shirt. Uh, I want that immortalized <laughs> in that vagueness is where the fun lies. Yes, precisely. Yeah. That'll be in the, the, 
the tubular teens uh, uh merch store soon promise i'll promise. be the, the, the velvet fiend rabbit tagline <laughs> there you <laughs> go <laughs> so we've mentioned before on the 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 pre pre-season recording thing that we did about how the basis of the guardians were was from the breakfast club there's this very fun image I saw online where someone drew the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers posing like the Breakfast Club uh, poster, and that was the basis of it. That's why our sporty person is in blue, because that was Emilio Estevez. Our our troubled criminal kid is in red. Our, our smart kid is in green, because those are the colors they wore. And it was just so, I don't know if John Hughes was thinking that. It was like, they all had their own Power Ranger color scheme, so it just kind of worked. Fun fact, John Hughes made that film directly to inspire us. <laughs> you know what? He thought one day, one day, these, these two queer kids are going to love this thing <laughs> and run with it. <laughs> One of the things I'm proud of of our show is the representation that we have on our show. Because, like, if you if you are watching Power Rangers, it's always been a ethnically diverse show. Sometimes troublesome when you think about the Black Ranger and the Yellow Ranger in the first season. But again, they claim ignorance, but mm, questionable. But the show has always had a a mix of race, which is very cool. And this current season, the or where well, depends on when you're listening to this future people, the Dino Fury, Cosmic Fury has the first canon LGBTQ uh, ranger, the Green Ranger, is is a lesbian on the show. So it's the first time that happened. So we wanted to almost flip that on the head and really show the world that rangers, guardians, whatever you want to call them, Super Sentai, could be anyone and everyone. So it's been fun for me to explore that kind of stuff because I, I have friends in that way, and I've trying to be as respectful to people as a way and not write someone as a cliche, which has opened my eyes to more of the LGBT culture that you have that stereotype in your head of what you think something is, and you can realize it is so much more. So it, to me, just working with you on this part has opened my eyes like to the world in a way I, I did not expect from a silly audio drama. Absolutely. No, and likewise, and I think we definitely ran into that when we were trying to you know, really make it as diverse as possible and showcase all the various identities. There was definitely one point or two where we, we were like, well, so-and-so could be, you know, such and such or identifying this way. And then we were like, we know nothing about that. We will ask somebody who knows. <laughs> yes. I re- yeah. I've made some great friends that way, like saying, Hey, I'm writing this show. I want to make sure I'm being respectful. And they just explained to me, they give me links. I've different discords. I've been a part of to meet all these different people. It's been really good. <laughs> and I remember like, we're like we're doing all this like oh we need to have our token straight person <laughs> we gotta we gotta yes. have we gotta have one token straight because it's like you know that's the way it should be and of course it's you know our pink fabulous you know Hanuel is our one token straight character I love him mm, oh yeah I mean Tim has done we'll talk about the cast in a little bit Tim has done an excellent job bringing that character to life and I like that our pink ranger is not only male but he's not like the what you would expect would be like an effeminate because of course the pink ranger has to be a girl so it's not this this flouncy cliche feminine guy Hanuel's a man he's he's a guy he's he's sensitive he's spiritual but he's nowhere near that cliche that's the dude i I, I remember that is that that is one thing we talked about earlier that we did want to avoid that cliche and i think we purposefully made him the pink ranger 
to kind of mm-hmm. subvert those those expectations, those cliches. Yeah. So yeah, so with that, we had our basis for our stories. These characters started to come to life with knowing their gender identities and their sexuality kind of helped firm who they were. And one thing that we did was to make sure the show wasn't just about their identities. It wasn't this struggle and it wasn't this thing. And and I remember us going back and forth about whether or not how the world should react to that. Like we know the world we live in, unfortunately, it's not the loving world it should be. That these kids, if they existed in the real world, would probably have a way harder time than they do on our show. Dragon Cove is an accepting place. Even our bullies, even Desdemona and Reginald, don't bully them because they're transgendered, they're non-binary. They pick on Jay because of of their clothes and things like that. For you know, things that you know, if you're gonna be a bully, you can't pick on someone for something they can't control. So even our bullies are accepting. The whole world is accepting. And I always say, we write the world that I wish that we lived in. Yes, the the folks of Dragon Cove, uh, I, I I think, you know, have a, have a higher moral ceiling to begin with. But between all these kaiju attacks, they certainly have more things to be worried about. Uh, and I will happily admit that Desdemona was my brainchild, and I can confirm that she would confirm your pronouns to make sure she was hating on you correctly. Oh, yeah. I think we have, like, a scene where they, like, correct her, and she's like, fine, whatever, and then sl- goes right yes. back into right back into slam <laughs> with the right pronouns. Like, you're trash, but I'm going to be res- I'm respectful of the fact that you're trash. That's a real ally. <laughs> exactly. Keeping you humble, keeping you real. Something I just remembered that I, I think Warren's mentioning. Uh, part of the reason I think we inc- ended up including the space element alongside the mythological element was because we are both also big fans <laughs> of the Lantern Corps. Yeah. So we're like, what if we combined them? Oh, this was definitely a Reese's piece of situation. We was like, we pulled on Power Rangers. We got the Green Lantern. We even dropped in some of the Animorphs of just this alien technological thing just found the kids and oh my god now we have these powers we don't even know where they're from yeah we tied into all of our favorites and i know that season two grows more into that and season like we're going to touch on all of those roots of it eventually like season three in our notes is our very much like our anamorph season season four is probably going to be our green lantern season and it's all going to go that way so yeah it's i'm excited to get there hell yeah So let's go ahead and talk about now the casting process. Now, I've only done one other audio drama in my life. That was I I did one for fun for the comic book that I wrote years ago. And for that, I literally just asked all of my friends. I sent messages out, say, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you mind recording? I, I did not think in the world of asking someone who didn't know me personally to actually do this. And I think it was you was like, we should do a casting call. I'm like, who the hell is going to answer my casting call? <laughs> I'm like, who? Like, who the heck am I? And it was amazing. We had, I think at the end, 145 different people. Such an amazing turnout, especially because, I, I mean, you know, we, we've featured in other productions and obviously we had flight risk, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, as far as... And I mean, you know, besides Arrow Girl, uh, I think, you know, Velvet Fiend's a cohesive unit. Uh, we didn't really have any other credits to our backing. 
No, it, it wasn't like people knew us. <laughs> yeah, we, we were not trading on reputation. <laughs> but yeah, it was. I remember setting it up and going, God, I hope we get like one or two for each character. So just we don't have to settle for whoever submits. And then it was like. I kept message like we got another one. We had like 30 today. We had it was like it was insane. I think we had. I think Benny was the most audition character. Yeah. I think there was like 20 something Bennies that auditioned. And that was crazy to me. I'm like. And then just sitting there going through. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Cause I'm like, when we got down to the final five, it's like, all of these people are amazing. It it was such a wild process for me. Uh, Not, not only, you know, uh, as the other Hydra head of Velvet Fiend, but just as a performer, because I mean, I've been doing theater for decade plus now. And so I've only ever experienced the other end of the casting call, the performer end of it so being Mm -hmm. now on you know the casting side of it was such a a learning and humbling and harrowing experience (laughs) yes it was like because at the end i'm like how do you choose it's like what am i just flipping a coin because there were so many unbelievable people and it was just so so hard to choose i mean other than one Right. There was one role that after I think I think it was the second audition, maybe the third for for Jay that that I remember listening to Briar's audition and messaging you saying, we have Jay now. I don't (laughs) I don't I feel I don't want to like I hate doing this because I know other people end up auditioning after I'm like, they will have to blow me away. Because when I first heard Briar, not even like say a line, just saying hi. I think it was like hi, Briar Zachary. I'm auditioning for Jay Tara. I hit pause and go, that's it. I didn't need to hear them say anything. I'm like, that was the voice that I never heard in my head that was always there. I remember you sending that to me and me being like, all right, like you know, <laughs> let, 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 let's not, let's not go there yet. And then I had the exact same reaction. I, yeah. I think I messaged you like right after I heard theirs, and I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that was that was. I think that was the first one we locked in, and it was tough. I mean, like what was hard was that some people auditioned for mo- multiple roles. Yeah. I remember like Tim did a couple roles, Michael did a couple roles, and they were like, I remember Tim was like. He was like our number one. He ended up becoming our Hanoel, but he was like number two for I think like um I think Harbor. He was on the, he was on the top five for Harbinger. Michael yeah, was for Harbin, yeah yeah. Michael was almost the narrator because he was so good yes. at that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so crazy trying to figure like okay, this person would be a great Harbinger, but then also be a great narrator. We can't have them do both. That would be weird. And it was just so so crazy. And then just had to come up with the weirdest like fantasy football, but casting draft picks where it's like in this timeline, I want them as X in this timeline. I want them as Y. Yeah. It's like, is how good they are as X better than that person is at Y. Like you're comparing someone's performance as a guardian to someone else's performance as the narrator. And like, well, which one would be better in that spot? And I was like, Oh, it was, it was tough. But in the end, like I say now, I can't, imagine really anyone else voicing these characters because when i write i literally hear allegra i hear chris i hear keisha in my head when i'm writing these characters now 
it, it's got it, it's gotten to a point where where they've made them their own in a way or oh totally really connected with them so intimately you know, you know even now we'll have we'll run into i don't want to say roadblocks but we'll, we'll run into questions and something mm. that i'm very proud of us for doing is we got to a point where you know where we're like well what would jay do what would hanuel do uh and we were like Let's ask the actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we hit that fork in the road where both options are good, we're like, well, let them decide. It's like, it's the what do they want to do with their character? And like I said, like we've always said, this it's been a collaboration from the beginning between yes. the two of us. But once we had the cast, and it's like, well, no, we are all on this team, and we all want to be happy and proud with what we're doing. So of course, the, the, we want them to be invested in what goes on with the script, and they've come up with some stuff that have took me place i didn't even know what the characters would think of yeah. and then they suggested like oh that is brilliant and it, it has changed the script because they've suggested these wonderful things but, that was definitely one of the highlights of the process thus far for me is, is when we started collaborating more with the cast uh mm-hmm. in the writing process yeah it's de- it's definitely definitely fun because it like i said it makes it like like a team sport now where we can bounce ideas not just off the two of us we now have these nine other people that we can throw. I do it all the time. I th- go to the, go to our Discord and I'd say, "Hey, I need help with this." And then all of a sudden, Michael, Tim, AJ, people are just throwing things out there. I'm like, "Perfect, thank you." And that just helps me get past the, the road, the, the writer's block I happen to have. Yeah, I t- I think it has been such a fun just hearing them perform these roles has made it so much more real. Because I think when we started casting i think we were three or four scripts in and yeah and then it like it was not like it was hard to write but it was like there was still a struggle to find the voices for the characters trying to make them sound as individuals i didn't want five snarky teens i don't want everyone to sound the same so we're trying to give them the personalities (laughs) and once they came on it's like oh the way allegra speaks her her cadence on how she how they talk became helped drive the way i write uh, scarlet's dialogue same thing with briar the way that they how quickly they can speak and get through all this stuff it made me write jay as this more excitable more higher energy where i think originally it was very much anthony michael hall very like quiet (laughs) quiet nerdy because that was kind of our basis was the the breakfast club thing so it was kind of that quiet insecure nerdy and then once hearing Briar start doing it, being, oh, this kid loves science in the world so much and they don't care. <laughs> and it's just became it's just so much more confident, fun character to write. No, de- definitely. Just that the moment where the characters very much came alive as a result of, excuse me, the cast breathing life into them. I, I think it's hard to pinpoint an exact moment where I clock that, but just over time, everything just kind of fell, you know, in pace mm-hmm. to to the point now where you know we'll run into some of uh some zany ideas, and we can both very confidently assert, no, you know what, that's not what Hanuel would do, that's not what Jai would do. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. they they're people at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're not just things on paper; they they actually exist in this other world. Um, while we're talking about the cast, I, I have to give credit to Michael playing Harbinger because 
very easy to be a Lord Zed villain, just be that cackling over the top thing. And the way Michael played him, especially when, again, when we started again, this, this is the, how the show evolved. When we started writing, I think originally, Harbinger was Lord Zed. He was just this evil monster yeah. guy that they were going to beat. And Pan Vahan was a different character. He was going to come in and be the Sixth Ranger somewhere like in episode seven or eight and be, be our Sixth Ranger. And at some point, we decided they're the same person. So the character of a Harbinger had to be played not just as a maniacal villain, but as like a very honorable person who at the time is just on the wrong side. And as we explored their backstory, you got to see that tragedy of who they were, of how they were this great explorer, this great adventure, this great hero who is thrust into this villain role and doesn't know why. And Michael did a really great job of even when he was just Harbinger, having that softer tone to it. Definitely. And that is something that, you know, even before he knew that that would be the case, uh, just that kind of soft is not the correct way, but that that, that subdued sort of nobility really shone mm-hmm. through even just in his audition. Uh, and that's some that's part of the reasons why his really stuck with me. And you could really see it when we finally started having the flashbacks where he got to be Pan in those flashbacks of Pan's last days, moments, and all that kind of stuff. And hearing the other voice that he had for him. And at the beginning, he, he did a thing that I didn't even think about when I was writing it. He was still using his Harbinger cadence in the flashbacks because the character didn't know he was this other person. So even though the voice was different, he was still Harbinger. So he still spoke the same way. It just sounded a little different and it was really good. And as it went on, you could hear less, less Harbinger, more, more pan until the very end where he has that moment. He realizes it right before he explodes. And then that last jump scare at the end where he's actually pan in the Harbinger body, he's talking in a completely different voice. It's not that, that darker, more like noble thing. He's like this confused guy who's trying to figure out what in the world's happened to him. And it's just, it was crazy that he was able to do that just so subtly. It was brilliant, especially because that was his design. We, we really give minimal voice direction yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, I think just it goes across the cast. They were, they just do so much that we don't ask of them. And they're just naturally gifted in this where they read the lines. Like we said, we don't say like, I don't put often like occasionally I'll say like, oh, someone's nervous or giddy or whatever, just to kind of so if they're just looking at their lines and not reading the whole script, they kind of know where their vibe should be. But yeah, Chris and Allegra and them will send like three or four takes and you see them. This is angry. This is happening. You see them doing the same line and just flipping the different the different energy. It's just like crazy to me like i don't i barely do any voice acting i do very little voices on this show and the range they give on just words on page with not much instruction is crazy yeah i, I think just that, that that natural not even direction just the, the natural feel they have for it especially because we have really only had one opportunity to most of us not even all of us be able to sit together uh and do a short table read and this is very early on Mm-hmm. So even with just that that very short like feel for each other, I, I think everybody, you know, e- even though they're recording kind of in a vacuum, plays uh, off each other's characters really well. 
Yeah, that was one of the things that I was very impressed with. Because, like, I know other audio dramas. Like, I'm a big fan of We're Alive, that zombie one, and, like, the Wayland production, where they actually have the actors in the studio, in a booth, all doing their lines. I mean, some of them are remote, but you, I've seen video, like, they have five or six actors, and they're doing a whole scene together, and they're reacting to each other. I'm like, that's amazing. I would love to do that one day. But it's, like, just the fact that these people have no other audio. They have no reference they have no lines before or after. I, mean, I don't know if they're reading with somebody. Maybe they are. But just to go off that and cr- and like get into that scene and give that emotion, because some of the stuff that went on, well, like you have the Scarlet and Benny romance thing that Chris and Allegra have never been in the same room together, but you can hear the chemistry between Scarlet and Benny. And like you could see like, yeah, those two voices, you could see them falling. You could see them becoming a couple over the course of the show. And they've never met each other. It's like, it's amazing that they, they're not like they're looking into each other's eyes and making that connection. It's like, they're just speaking to a microphone and it still works. I do also have to give credit to uh, Chris for singing in the episode where uh, the whole, I think it was episode yes. seven or eight, him actually singing. That was, you know, I asked him, I said, didn't have to, but he's like, no, I'm for it. So that, that was very, very so awesome. Good. Yeah. So, so good to do the, the crazy screaming singing of a man, of a Benny driven so far into love. Which, you know, we keep talking about, we are definitely slowly working towards a musical episode that is uh, that's somewhere on the, the whiteboard of things that we want to have happen. And knowing that Chris can sing and that we have Allegra singing in season two, it's like, oh, we are definitely going to do it. It's going to happen sometime. We're getting there. We're getting there. We'll have our music maestro episode at some point. Exactly. Exactly. Let's just, just talk about the season in general. Uh, what were some just episode episodic highlights for you things that you like really enjoyed this season love it my gosh that's tough i (laughs) i enjoy so much yeah i think i think for me one of the the things that i'm most proud of as our as a show is that first time we have the titans and the first time we have cronus for a show called tube 13 with titans we didn't have the with titans until like (laughs) <laughs> episode seven i think it was we went three quarters of the season without the titans but when we got there having that moment and having it all come together it just it made it sound so cool so real that yeah this is actually a super show because we had you know the punching the kicking and it's like oh it's a, it's a regular action show but that has elevated us to that place of yeah this is a power ranger super sentai show i like that we did that because I think it just, at least in my eyes, really set up the, the difference um, in scale mm-hmm. and kind of power. Because we we had the tubular teens, you know, fighting mm-hmm. monsters, mano a mano. But then to, to actually get to that point where they needed to bust out that Titan, their Titans, and then the Mega Titan. Yeah, that was it, that was definitely a highlight for me. I think when we talk about the moments like the big ones that stick out of my mind. I I can't, we can't go forward without talking about Ahmad and Joe and them helping develop the music. I mean, they helped with the theme song that Keisha sang unbelievably. And Ahmad has been helping all season with a lot of the music for the big moments. The whole Titan scene, the first time with Cronus the the last episode, I think he scored almost half of the episode. It's all music from him that he's able to. 
I send him the raw audio of just the dialogue once I have it all blocked and stuff. And I send it to him and he's like, okay, what he listens. Okay. This is the motions that I'm feeling for these scenes. That sound right. I go, yeah, that sounds right. And let's change this here. And he goes, okay. And a day or so later, he's like, here's the demo. He'll send it to me and it blows me away. And I was like, okay, I'm not done with it though. And then it comes back even freaking better. <laughs> so I think his music has definitely elevated our show. Not that we're saying like we're better than anyone else's show, but I love audio dramas. I think I'm subscribed to like 30 of them. And I think our music that we have is some of the best out there. It really takes our show and makes it more cinematic. It makes it feel like a, you know, like a real production. Not like I'm this guy who's sitting in my house in Lakewood doing this thing. Like this is an actual real production that people are really are working on. <laughs> it is. It is a real production. And <laughs> I still have to constantly remind myself that like, holy shit, like this is a thing. You know, we made this. Other people are making it with us. And absolutely, the music blows me away. Like every time, uh, you know, I, I, you sent me one of the demos that Ahmad sends you. I'm like, oh, sh- there we go. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like one of those things like, like with the casting, like, like, why would this person who's so supremely talented, who's clearly talented at what they do, work with me, work with us? Because again, we're nobody. And this amazingly talented person who, again, it's like, I wouldn't know this person if it wasn't for Joe from Fly Risk. It's, it's, it's his cousin. And for, through that, it's like the, now he's a person I talk to constantly through the season because as I'm writing scenes, I'm giving him a heads up. I'm like, hey, season two, episode three, we're doing this moment. I'm kind of feeling this. And he'll start working on stuff before I even give him the script. So he already has probably like five or six things, you know, in the fire getting ready for the next season. And it just takes what... Like I always say, it takes my average writing, the uh, unbelievable vocal performances up to a whole nother level. It's like it, it takes the curve so much higher. And it's just it's insane to me that that the show because I could hunt down music. And that was what I was doing originally was like trying to find music, going to the, the, creative, the creative commons, the free source music, try to find things that fit. And then it's like you realize, oh, this is why you hire sound designers and audio producers, because it literally fits perfectly with what's happening, the right beats and everything. And it just it's just I'm floored with how good the show sounds. And I'm the person who's putting it together. And I'm still amazed by how good it sounds when I listen to it in the end. It sounds so seamless. Mm hmm. Being on this end of it, uh, it's it's easy to see how the pieces fit together in a way, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like the writing, the vocals and then the music. But actually listening to it, like you mentioned, it's such a cinematic experience because I'm just so in the moment. I'm just so immersed. I never stop to think, oh, you know, the this is made of various components coming together. Yeah, it is. Amazing how well the the performers sound together. Yeah, that is a lot of technical stuff. There is a lot of leveling and balancing audio because because people record in different rooms and it does sound organic. And like, again, I'll toot my own horn. I've worked really hard this season from when I first did Arrow Girl, I think like five or six years ago, whenever I first did that, when I, when I was doing it on Audacity and I had no idea what I was doing, 
through flight risk and through here, I've worked really hard and I've asked a lot of great audio producers, Aram from God's Fall. I've talked to Kaylee from the Redemption podcast, uh, Jeff Stormer from Party of One, these people who do amazing things on their show and I'm picking their brains and I, I'm trying to get what they tell me into our show. And it's just, I am so happy with how it sounds. Like every episode I am so proud of. And I think the fact that we have these talented people working with us pushes me to learn and grow as much as possible to make, just not to sound even like our scripts. I want to give our cast, our crew of people, the best possible material, the best possible product because they deserve it. Absolutely. That definitely goes back uh, for me. It, it's, I, I, you know, I, I can't say it enough. It's such a humbling experience. Uh, mm. And we've touched upon it here and there of, you know, we can call the folks that work with us gifted, but in a very real sense, they are they are gifting us with their time, their talent, their ability, and it pushes us to grow. And mm-hmm. I think folks that have been here long enough, or even hopefully folks that are you know just starting now or standing at random, starting at random places and making their way back, uh, can see how we've grown mm-hmm. uh, as writers and producers the, the longer the show has gone on. Yeah, it's it's definitely I can hear like listening to the first episode how not that it sounds bad compared to the other ones, it sounds smaller. Like I was afraid to go bigger places, not with the sound and the script was very because it was the first two episodes, it had to follow a certain formula. And once we got past the whole introduction, this is our world thing, when we were able to actually just go bananas and do whatever the heck we wanted to. The show really got bigger. I mean, not just sounding wise, but lengthwise. The first two episodes were around 35 minutes long, which, you know, is what I think ideally when we started, we were saying it'd be great if we do 22 minute episodes, just like the Power Rangers were like that. And I remember like, can we really write 22 minute episodes? That seems like (laughs) so much. I don't know if Velvet and I can do this together. And then at the end of season one we're at 900 minutes we have episodes hour and a half hour and 45 minutes long that we're releasing basically audio movies about every five or six weeks it's one of those things where in the process uh of doing it 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 doesn't really register until we see the finished product Mm -hmm. and i you know, I remember when we were at at 22 just trying to match you know episodic length and uh, we we are, we have movies, we have audio <laughs> films, and I remember too when we switched over from uh, Audacity to Reaper. I, I remember piecemeal you would you 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 kind of started with baby steps, adding mm-hmm. like you know more and more. And I remember you would tell me about Reaper, and I'm like, that sounds like witchcraft. <laughs> and then you know we're to a point where you know now you're mostly on Reaper, and then we're running a bunch of other things through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Lord. Yeah, it is using Reaper is has definitely made it so much easier to do what what I do for this show. And I know there are people who stand by Audacity. Like Jeff Stormer is an Audacity guy. He said he's never gonna change. He he spent seven years learning it, he's not gonna change. Adam from Force Majeure, <laughs> he's like, it, it does what I needed to do. I'm like, yeah, but a Reaper could do so much more. And it's like it's got a learning curve, but God bless that program. It, it, it makes it so much easier. If I if I had to do this on Audacity, I think it'd probably take me twice as long. And I remember thinking about how long it takes to do an episode. 
it almost feels like a 10 to one ratio of minutes of audio to 10 minutes of production time. So for every one minute that we produce, it probably takes me about 10 minutes of work to make that audio sound right, leveling it, adding the ambience. Now, there are some scenes where, yeah, where characters are just talking back and forth. That's just lining stuff up. But when we get into our action sequence and some of the stuff, it's just layering the sounds and hunting down the right sword sound effect. And and like one thing I try not to do is repeat myself with sounds too, too often. I don't want every kaiju fight to sound the same because we're not, you know, a magma squid wouldn't sound like, you know, a giant Godzilla monster. It should this, the impact should sound different. So I'm hunting down all these crazy sounds. But yeah, I think for the finale, we ended up, the finale was going to be, I think, two hours and 10 minutes long. Well, actually, no, because since episode nine was actually part of it, we actually did nine, 10, and 11 together. I think it was like two hours and 40 minutes long. It was like Avengers Endgame. <laughs> and it was, it's yeah, oh yeah, it's like, it was, I think we were actually longer than the Batman. I remember being proud of that. Like, oh, we're longer than the Batman. Yes. We beat we be Robert Pattinson. Good for us. <laughs> but yeah just to do that that was weeks and weeks of work and i couldn't be happier with how it came out it's funny you mentioned too the um, about not repeating yourself which again it's one of those things where i've experienced it but never clocked it i don't think we have any kaiju fights that sound the same uh, I, mm. at least they all feel very different yes we we definitely either subconsciously or consciously <laughs> try to make it not just punch this thing as hard as you can and it explodes, which, you know, which is power ranger cliche. That's what they do. You know, you keep hitting it, you break out your flaming sword and it explodes. That's kind of what every episode ends up becoming. And we had actually had Hanawell voice that in the episode saying, why are we just punching these things in the face? We <laughs> could try other things, right? If we don't have to be murder hobos, let's be something else. Yeah, we actually have that be, you know, the way in the end, our, our last big Godzilla kaiju thing is no punches. It is literally like a spiritual, like how we explain it. It's a spiritual taking the negative energy out and putting it somewhere else. Now, yeah, of course, before... Yeah, of course, before that, we had we had the cliche two giant robots punching the crap out of each other because that's what needed to happen there. But then we had, yeah, we had the emotional thing and season two, which I think we even embrace that even more in season two, where we are trying to come up with creative ways to solve these monster problems that isn't just violence, that we use logic, we use emotion, we use all these different ways where it's not just hey, I'm bigger than you. Now, we do. Obviously, we have some monsters that just need to be punched as hard as you can in the face. But we use so many different ways. And I can't wait for season two to come out and people to hear how creative we get with this these kaiju battles. I think it's what funny, else? too, in the, in the spirit of <laughs> kind of just, you know, no holds barred. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, looking over some season two stuff, that some of the, the choices that, you know, we just immediately ran with in season two are ones that we would have deliberated uh, on for you know a good day or two back in season one. Oh yeah, we've definitely gotten to the point where like yeah, there's we embrace it. There's no bad idea philosophy here. Let's lean into the camp, lean into the cheese, and let's go ahead and parody whatever the heck we want to parody because it makes it more fun for us. 
And that I think has been very spring of stress where it's like, yeah, we're writing a show that we individual, both of us want to listen to. We want to see this made because we like the story. And not to say that we don't want more and more people to listen. I would love for to have thousands and millions of downloads, but it comes down to, I want to write a show that Velvet and I love to listen to. And now as we get to know our cast, they're like family. Now I want the 15 core of us that work on the show on a regular basis. I want it to be a show that we want to listen to. And that I think has made it more pure and more fun. It's not like the stressful work thing. It's like, yeah, I'm collaborating with my friends. Exactly. Let's see. I'm trying to think when this is coming out. Oh, the crossover would have happened that because this was going to come out after the crossover. So we can talk about that right now. Yeah, <clears throat> the crossovers. Yeah, all right. I love crossovers. Yeah. So one of the things that we did fun for season one is we had a little bit of a crossover with Power Rangers, the audio drama. That's from uh, Scyther Studios. Uh, Carl Dutton makes it, and really his show is kind of what made this kind of happen because his is a a retelling of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in a more PG-13-ish kind of vibe. And I love the show. It was great. And we had dropped the idea of having Dragon Cove be somewhere near Angel Grove. And we had Billy and Trini show up in an episode and we weren't going to have them talk, but I'm like, I know Carl and he has a voice actor for Billy. So let's get actual his Billy to be our Billy. And he showed up. I think it was episode three. He had like two lines or three lines or whatever. And that was fun. And it's like, oh, we have to do more with this. And that's where the whole crossover came over. This little thing with which makes it it had to be Jay and Billy, the two nerdy ones. And in our perfect style, there was no fighting. They have the whole let's morph and we're going to have our weapons and like, wow, your armor is cool. Your armor is cool. And then weapons go down and they're just nerding out together. It was so much fun to have our worlds combine. And I do, I do. I, I talk to Carl all the time. I'm like, I want to do a full episode movie. Like I say episodes, our things are audio movies. We should just call them audio they're movies. Just movies they're just yeah, movies now. <laughs> we're making movies. I want to do the, the tubular teens, Power Rangers movie where we do a full hour, hour and a half episode, full on shatter the grid style crossover with all the villains, all the teens. And um, I even had uh, our other AJ uh, months ago when I was talking to him about it, he actually started sketching out a Titan Zord of their Zords mixed with our Titans. (laughs) Into this ah. weird centaur type thing with all of the different ones put together. I'm like, okay, we now we have to do it because art exists. And now it has to exist in the world. Now we have to. Uh, so for, for those of you that may remember this, one of my like childhood touchstones, defining moments was the Power Rangers forever read a crossover mm-hmm. between Time Force, <laughs> Wild Force, and I, I forget the third one. Maybe what's well, for, the twelve for? Well, Forever Red had all of them. They had Mighty Morphin. Jason was there. Tommy yeah. was there. TJ was there. You had every Red Ranger up to date show up. That that is like my gold standard. That is what I want. Yeah, it's definitely like I will be ambitious because I've I like the more we do the show, the more I get into the Power Ranger fan film fan production community, and there's a lot of shows out there. 
There's like Zenith Films. They do the, the Gem Guardians. They did their little thing. And there's other ones out there. They're the uh, the unworthy productions, which are unbelievable actual live action fan films. And I'm like, it would be so cool to get everyone together, even if it's just like a scene or two of all these different shows popping in and out and have like 35 freaking Guardian slash Rangers in this big epic thing and just go freaking bananas. That's something that's for future. That's on yeah. our manifest board. Yeah, that's Thank that's on yeah on my dream board. It's right there. <laughs> Even though I always I always say like editor writer Dwayne has such lofty dreams that editor Dwayne has to make real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I I will go back and read some of the stuff in our scripts. I'm like, how the hell am I going to make this? Sa- like, how do I do this sound? And the things <laughs> and like I didn't put much. Like someone was like. Oh, kaiju fight sounds. What is that even like? What? So I'm like, thanks past me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we have we have plans. Like I say, season two uh, should be coming out probably a month or so after this episode drops. We've already written six of the ten episodes for season two. The cast is already working production right now on episode one. Some of them are already doing episode two. So it's all moving forward we're not stopping i like i don't see us stopping at least i said in my head i've already charted i have outlines for five seasons at least in my head right now so that's like on our average we're talking about five thousand minutes of content is what what we're, we're gonna give to you here and i want to explore not just like the action sentai stuff but i really like diving into our characters lives and what they're going through what it means to be a teenager and just that is some of the funnest parts because i like i've noticed i've written scripts like we've had people talking for 30 minutes this is a power ranger show and no one's punching anything (laughs) (laughs) the human element Mm -hmm. especially just you know with all all these youths have Mm -hmm. all their shoulders uh was very unexpected but yeah. such a welcome part. Because I think likewise, you know, when I think Super Sentai and when I was thinking Super Sentai coming in, it's just like, oh, just cool monster fights. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now I'm just like, like, yes, I love the kaiju scenes, but also like I, I, I want these youths to interact. I want to see what like drama they either start or resolve with one another. Yeah. Like I'll watch like <laughs> I'll watch like the new episodes or some of the old episodes. And I'm like. These are so fluff. It's like they have these big problems that they solve in like 90 seconds and then they move on to the next thing. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, that would be like a 15 minute scene for us. It's like they would be really go into <laughs> Billy's fear of fish or whatever the heck that was in that one episode where he was afraid of fish for some random reason. And I'm like, I would really go into what that meant. Now, like, oh, he fought a fish monster. So now he's not afraid anymore. Okay. I, I guess that works. Yeah. You know, it works. Mm. Oh, so one thing that I do have to mention before mm. it slips my lizard brain. Mm. Uh, something that, you know, we have, we obviously we have writing, we have voiceover, we have music. We also have art. Mm. Y'all don't get to really see it on the audience end, but yeah. Tim spoils us with oh. the most phenomenal freaking sketches of yes. the various titans. Uh, at mm. some point, we have to ask him if he's okay with us, like doing like a little TikTok slideshow or something, because we're well, missing out. Well, if you actually watch the show on YouTube, because it's there, we it's on YouTube as well. If you watch it on YouTube, 
I have slides of images. I've used the AI generated art, but I think in most of the episodes, I asked Tim, and it, it's there. If you're watching the show on YouTube, you've seen some of the Titan art that Tim has done, and AJ also has done. Uh, not AJ, or we have two AJs, not AJ the musician, AJ the voice actor, who again, another person. AJ, I, I didn't even realize it when we were doing the last episode. And I was like, I got to get the people who did the monster voices to come back because we brought a lot of the monsters back. I'm like, oh, AJ voiced all of these monsters. <laughs> I'm like, it was like, oh, AJ, I need you to do three more of these voices because I, br- I brought you back from the dead three times. And he has, yeah, he has been my go-to like, hey, I have a lizard goat dragon guy that needs a voice. He's like, I'm on it. I got you. I'm like, okay. Like, apparently you have that stored in your brain. <laughs> Just had that in his back pocket. Yeah. So he is already, I've sent him the scripts for season two and he's already, he's already eyeballing the monsters. Him and his friend Chris are basically divvying up all the monsters and the two of them are just going to do <laughs> the monster voices. I'm like, cool. That makes it easier. If I need retakes or I need anything, I know the two guys I need to call. So yeah, AJ really has helped out. Um, now that we're kind of at the end, I'm trying to think of people I want to thank who are not usually part of the show. Um, Gosh, everybody that's ever done anything, anybody that's ever <laughs> listened to a minute of audio. Yes, yeah, of course, of course, anybody who's ever listened, anybody who's left reviews. I think we have we have a few reviews on iTunes. We have all five star reviews, which is really great. I think we're around like seven or eight reviews or whatever. Again, not doing it for the reviews, but thank you for everyone who has left one. If you've listened and you want to leave one, helps more people find the show. But yeah, I think like Mark and Adam from course not nights and yeah. force majeure. They've been really helpful with storytelling ideas, things like that. And they've provided voices as well. Mark is uh Hanuel's dad, Sam from the Starbirds is Hanuel's other dad. Uh, Adam was the world turtle. He did that voice. So they, they've been helpful with the script and stuff, but yeah, everyone in just our community of creators, Oh, we cannot forget uh, Sarah. Sarah coming in and taking over for Desdemona. Yes, I was just about to say that. Yeah, I was like, oh. yeah, we we originally had Amanda as Desdemona, and then she got busy with other projects and stuff and just couldn't continue with ours, which she's doing really cool stuff. I've seen the film she's been in, but we needed someone to step in. And Sarah just came in, and it's like, did not miss a beat. And it, to me, it was I, I was worried. I'm like, you have to come in and try to sound like this other person. This is how this person sounds. And we try to make it sound. And you can almost not tell the difference from Amanda's performance to Sarah. She was able to ape that voice and that tone, the cadence so, so well. She just slipped in seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I, you know, like most other people that have come on board and the origin of it, it was just a, a really short, like almost a throwaway conversation. Uh, Sarah, uh, you know, who now voices Amanda Sarah Roberts is also the hype goblin. She's a Twitch streamer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does a lot of charity stuff. And uh, I was lucky enough to share a table with her. And I don't even remember how we got on the subject, but I just mentioned, I was like, hey, you know, if you want to voice a mean girl, she was like, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like 100% into it. And she like, she said, let me listen to the episode you have out. She listened to all of them. She's like, okay, I think I got the voice. And when she sent it, I'm like, this sounds like Amanda's recording. It's like, this is so she could have went anywhere with it and no, she nailed it. And it's like seamless. It, it saved, it saved ourselves because like I say, you hear the voices and like Amanda for me was Desdemona. She had the voice that we wanted. 
and bringing in someone new, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, days of our lives when they are general hospital, they bring in a new lucky. And like, that's not my lucky anymore. I don't know who that guy is. And it's like, but no, like it's, it's that same thing. And it's, it's so, so great that they were able to come in and do that for us. It was good. Have you done a voice? I don't, I don't think, think so. I have. I, I think I, I wanted to uh, avoid too many self inserts. Yeah. So, uh, at least for me, that that was something that I that I, I like a line that I wanted for myself coming in is that I would I would stick to like the production end of it. Mm-hmm. And, but it's funny too. I recorded. I, I guess the the outro. Yes. Um, you, yeah. You are the voice at the outro. Yes. Yeah, and, and I and I forgot that uh, <laughs> until I was like listening uh, over. I, I basically marathoned everything over this past like week, week and a half, in preparation for a chat, and it surprised me when I when I started talking. I was like, oh, I forgot I did that. <laughs> yeah, I I I try not to put myself in, and I think I'm in the show three or four times. I'm the librarian in Benny's musical scene. Um, I play an alien guardian in a flashback. And then I'm the announcer voice for Slam Banshee when he does his uh, his wrestling yes. moves. So I've I've done that. And I, like, I really didn't want to, but I'm like, as I'm editing, I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't ask anybody to do this. Let me get my mic out and just knock this out, put a little modulation so it doesn't sound too much like me. And there we go. But yeah, we got to get you like to that. We got to get you to do at least one voice. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I think that's it. Is there anything else you want to, you want to touch on Velvet before we uh, dive into season two? Before season two. I, so I, I was surprised to hear myself recording the outro and mm. then I started hearing everybody chime in, you know, uh, such, such and such playing so-and-so mm. and I got a little misty eyed. I won't lie to you because they just the credits list was so long. Proverbially, mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, everybody is here, um, and they care." And I think that's, you know, the the power of friendship. Uh, heart of the cards seems very <laughs> trite, but that feels very much at the center of tubular teens. Like, especially as it's evolved and as we've been, gotten into a more collaborative rhythm with everyone else. It really has become, you know, a, not only a labor of love for us and the people involved, but it, it's a community. It's really a community of effort. Not, and not even just those of us in the immediate project, but like you were mentioning, all the other people from, you know, adjacent communities that have helped us, you know, just with their time, their advice, who have lent us their voices. Mm-hmm. It's so wild. And oftentimes, you know, I'll see on the TikTok, uh, so people will chime in or the way they find us. It's because they they loved Power Rangers, yeah, uh, and just you know a new kind of you know Power Ranger IP for them to engage with, like just brought a smile to their face. And I'm like, wow, like people are just here because they love it. Yeah, it is. On um, especially, I think we're more on TikTok than anything else nowadays. But yeah, the the Ranger TikTok community is has been great they uh, the response has been good they all seem to enjoy what we do and i definitely was worried that because we weren't saying power rangers we weren't really we we're doing our own thing like we're next to you we're parallel to what you really like and no they've definitely grabbed onto it and they seem to really like it and 
I've gotten some nice messages from people who really enjoy the representation on our show. Oh. And that's kind of who, one of the reasons we wanted to make this show is for people who are like us to have Rangers that they can actually relate to. It's like, yeah, you, you see that the guy with your hair color and all that, but no, this person ha- it has the struggle you've gone through is experiencing life sim- similar to how you are. And it's been really nice to see people like I've never seen an ace i've never read an asexual ranger before i didn't know there could be a trans ranger and it's like yeah it could be anything that's the glory of power rangers of tubular teens anyone can be it anyone can be worthy of the source of the morphin grid whatever you want to call it we're all worthy i exactly and i think that's that's a great place to end it any one of you can be tubular we can't promise you a titan though yeah, no. Tubular, yes. Titans. <laughs> we'll see how the Patreon goes. Tubular Teens with Titans is written and produced by Velvet Fiend Rabbit Productions. Our theme song, Thunder Sword, is written and produced by Ahmad Judah and Joe Chasm, with lyrics and vocals by Keisha Wallace. If you liked what you just heard, please head over to the podcast service of your choice and leave us a rating and a review. It truly helps more people find the show. <laughs>